0: Uh, I want to jump right into our message this morning because we're going to be closing out our series uh, called Taboo, and this morning we're going to be tackling a tough subject, and it's something that's really close, near and dear to my heart, and it's depression. And so, I want to really just kind of dive right into it this morning. Uh, now, normally I wouldn't start a message with uh, normally I would start a message with a funny joke or story, uh, but just diving into this because it's such a heavy subject and it's something that the church rarely talks about, and so we want to make sure that we give enough time to that, and I just want to lay this out right now, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist, all I am is just another man who's living a story of God's grace, and part of that story involves moving to Bellingham, Washington. Now, moving to Bellingham, Washington was a complete transition for me because I was born and raised on an island, and for those of you who know, an, an island is just a rock. So there's really not a whole lot of places you can go. You circle the island, you walk up and down the volcano, and you're good. So uh, that's it. That's all I had uh, growing up. Because of that, I, was, uh, I felt like I was isolated, so I was able to focus on a lot of things that I thought were very important to me, family, friends, uh, fun times, hanging out on the beach, all that good stuff. But then we moved to Bellingham, Washington, and it was exhilarating, just super fun and exciting, and at the same time, it was nerve-wracking for me because I was coming into something that I had never uh, been or done before. Because it was an unfamiliar place, uh, I had to basically restart. I had to start learning how to find new friends. I didn't have any family here, and so having to engage and connect. Now, for those of you who know me, I am pretty friendly. I should say. I hope. If I'm not, I apologize in advance right now. Uh, But I'm a friendly guy, and so my goal is to connect with everyone and just have a relationship with people because that's that's how I was raised down in Hawaii. But I quickly came to realize that here in Bellingham, Washington, it was difficult. So difficult to build relationships and to make connections. And because of that, because of the fact that I needed those connections, that's the way I was wired, and I couldn't find that. I, I shut down. I felt like I was dying on the inside, and I couldn't tell anyone. And I can tell you right now, just looking back on it, that I, I was depressed. I didn't feel like I was back then, but looking back on it now, I can tell you that I was just completely depressed. And so I did in those settings when I was worship leading, I did what anyone else would do. I uh, sang louder, I I worshiped harder, uh, I, I prayed harder, I served, I did everything that I could to escape the feeling of being alone. Just nothing worked. I felt more alone and depressed than before. And I felt more alone and depressed than before because I had bought into a stigma And the stigma is this. In the world, depression is seen as a sign of weakness. I'm a worship leader. I'm the guy who stands up here and sings songs. I'm not allowed to be weak. That's not me. I'm a Polynesian for crying out loud. We play football and rugby. We hit each other. We don't wear pads. That's not me. I'm not weak. But depression is seen as a sign of weakness. But here's something that's even more sobering to realize. In the church, depression is seen as a lack of faith. Again, that can't be me. I'm the worship leader. I'm the guy who stands up here. I'm the guy who leads people to sing. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? I'm the guy who stands up here and says, Sing praise to the Lord. That can't be me. I can't be the guy seen as a person with a lack of faith. So what did I do? I started praying harder, singing louder, believing more. I even heard the saying in church, fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. And I got to tell you, there were times when I stood in front of people and I faked it till I made it, made it, made it, right? Is that it? (laughs) Maked it, made it. It was, it was just one of those things where I just couldn't, I couldn't escape that feeling of being alone. Now, like I said, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a psychologist. But in researching about depression, I found out some statistics and I'd love to share them with you. According to Harris Research Analysis in 2014, 29% of Christians in the United States have struggled with depression at some point in their life. That's over 45 million Christians. The population of Canada, uh, of California and Massachusetts combined, 45 million Christians. According to the numbers, out of every 10 Christians you know, three of them are struggling with depression right now. If you're between the, uh, the ages of 18 and 34, you're more, uh, mo- more likely to be depressed than older generations because you experience more stress and anxiety and pressure on w- in one day than a person who has lived in the Elizabethan era has experienced in their entire lifetime. Earlier this week, we got to hang out and be a part of a worship night, and we heard a great message from Rob Rogers, and one of of the biggest takeaways that I had from that was he was talking about Jesus and finding solitude and rest, and he said this. He said, check this out. Jesus was telling people to slow down in the first century. How crazy is that? The first century was going way too fast for people where Jesus told them to slow down and look at where we are now in the technological age where we can pull out a device, press a button and get instant information. If you have lower income you're more likely to be depressed. If you are a parent with a child younger than 18 years old you are more likely to be depressed. So here's the bottom line, none of us are alone. And I realized that statistically, I wasn't alone. And again, in doing research, I was able to find there's a couple of well-known people who have actually struggled with depression. The first one is this, is Abraham Lincoln, the 16th president of the United States. In his early years, he wrote a letter to one of his friends, John Stewart, and he wrote this, I am now the most miserable man living. What I feel were equally distributed to the whole human family, there would be not one cheerful face on the earth. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. I awfully forebode, I shall not. To remain as I am is impossible. I must die or be better, it appears to me. Abraham Lincoln knew all too well in his life, the agony and turmoil. Another person that I found really struggled with depression was Mother Teresa, In personal correspondence, she wrote this. She said, I am told God loves me, yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. And I read that, and my first thought was, Mother Teresa gets me. She gets me. That feeling of loneliness and depression is something that resonated with me. She goes on to say this. She goes on to say, I feel just that terrible pain of loss of God not wanting me of God not being God, of God not existing. And yet, through her struggles, she continues to deliver hope to thousands upon thousands of the poorest people in Calcutta. So I realized that I wasn't alone in my depression. But in doing so, I also found out biblically, biblically, that I wasn't alone in my depression. Now, this may surprise you, but if you do struggle with depression, You are in the company of greatness. Just listen to this. The prophet Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 45.3, I am weary with my groaning and have found no rest. And then you've got Moses. Moses, the leader of the Israelites taken out of Egypt and into the promised land. Moses, the guy with the big stick who can part waters, who can crack a rock and water comes out. Moses says this in Numbers, I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, put me to death right now if I have found no favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. Then there's David, a David that I tried to model myself after and being a worship leader. The guy was a man after God's own heart. He says this, Save me, O oh God, for the flood waters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I cannot find a foothold. I'm in deep water, and the floods overwhelm me. David is drowning in despair. And speaking of drowning, here are the words of a guy who was saved from drowning by a fish. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Ah, Jonah. Jonah, so down right now that he pleads with God to take away his life. Think about it. If you're saying, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart to Jonah right now, he'd punch you right in the mouth. (laughs) That is where he's at right now. And speaking of biblical heroes who get to the point of being down, that death seems like a viable option, here we have the prophet Elijah who just before this part he had just had an amazing God moment where he and God took on 400 prophets and defeated them on top of a mountain. That's an amazing feat. And then immediately after, he's running for his life because a queen named Jezebel is chasing him. And he s- it says this, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Now remember this because we're going to come back to that. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. The prophet Elijah. But I know some of you are probably thinking, well, those are Old Testament guys. They didn't have Jesus back then. Let me direct your attention to the apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far uh, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. So much for God will never give you more than you can handle. Paul says it was far beyond his ability to endure it. We despair for life itself. And speaking of Paul, let me add one more to this list. Jesus. Here he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying, and he comes out to to the disciples, and he says to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. I want you guys to understand, I'm not saying that Jesus is depressed here. What I am saying is that we have a great high priest who can sympathize with us, with our weaknesses, and who can step into the storm so that we know that we aren't alone. So I discovered statistically and biblically that I wasn't alone. And in researching, I found out that there are some common causes of depression now for some of us it could be a combination of these and not just one in particular. And these are just some, there may be others but I just wanted to kind of focus on these. The first one is this, The first common cause is long term erosive stress. Being in a protracted and a prolonged period of, of significant stress can make you feel like the water line is right here. Where you just, you can't breathe. You can see, but you just can't breathe. Being in uh, an environment, in a situation where the stress level doesn't doesn't let up is one common cause. Another is this profound loss or trauma. Grief, witnessing a traumatic incident, chronic pain. The loss of a loved one or the long-term caregiving of a loved one or lost sense of purpose can press someone deeply into depression. I can tell you right now, this past summer, I was a part of six different memorial services. And every single one of them was just as heartbreaking. To see the grief of loss in the family's eyes, and to know that that, that's one cause of people going into depression A few years ago, my father-in-law was diagnosed with uh, what they thought was dementia and come to realize that now it's uh, it's early onset Alzheimer's. I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy. We moved in with my in-laws so we could take care of them. And to just see my father-in-law slowly eroding away in front of me. That's painful. Profound loss or trauma is another common cause of depression. Another one is this, unresolved chronic problems. The prolonged inability to find a solution to situations in family, job, or personal uh, situations can overwhelm people to the point of depression. And this next one, is very personal to me, and it's this. It's the pressure to excel. I was raised to do my best in everything that I did. And so I had two settings, zero to perfection. That's all it was. When I woke up, that was my goal, and I was always, always striving to excel. The pressure never lets up, Because we believe that time is flying, people are dying, we need to go, go, go. And because of that, that can cause your soul to die, to shrivel up. Another cause can be this, spiritual warfare. I'm personally, I'm not a demon behind every rock uh, or a spiritual root behind every ache and pain. But I will acknowledge that from firsthand experience, the enemy is out to take and steal our joy and our hope. Sometimes the warfare is personally enacted because unconfessed sin can, not always, but can open the door to depression. And finally, medically verified challenges and imbalances. Sometimes there are physical and chemical reasons for depression. And people can be clinically depressed. That's just a medical fact and that's where you find medical professional to help you with that. So those are common causes, just some of the common causes. And what do we do from that? What do we, what do we learn from that? Now what I want, what I don't want for you guys this morning is to hear me give you a five point presentation on how to beat depression and then you guys leave and good no I want you guys to understand that uh, there is so much more involved with this and I'm just going to give you a couple of different things that I've used in my life and that if it works out for you guys to be able to use in yours as well so here's some ways to help us through depression that I uh, some ways that have helped me through depression the first one is this to open your soul to God's restoration in Psalm 23 it says the Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, and he restores my soul. He guides me along the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Pastor Wayne Cordero uh, is a pastor down in Hawaii, uh, one of the largest and fastest growing churches down there of New Hope Christian Fellowship. But he wrote this after his own struggle with depression and his own, pers- this, his own nervous breakdown. He says this, There must be certain pilings driven so deeply into my soul that at times of crisis, they will serve as immovable, unquestionable anchors in my life. Scripture became the pilings. Scripture and old songs. Great is thy faithfulness. Holy, holy, holy. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Deep anchors. What are the pilings in your life that are so deeply rooted in your soul that in times of crisis, they become immovable and unquestionable anchors? Winkwaduro also goes on to write these words. In the night, a sailor cannot see land, nor can he get his bearings from the coastline. He must navigate by trusting the dimly lit buoys set in place. If you don't struggle with depression, be thankful, but be watchful you have struggled in the past but are in a good season, be prepared. Place the buoys of God's word in the water so when the storm rages, you can find your way home. The next one is this. Refuse to isolate yourself. Now, I was, I was dying on the inside when we moved up here, and I couldn't tell anyone, and because I couldn't tell anyone, I decided to just keep it to myself And everything inside of me wanted to isolate myself. I just wanted to be alone in my pain. I didn't want anyone else to to experience the pain that I was going through. We go back to the story of Elijah where it says this. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. He went alone. The enemy wants you to be alone in your despair so that his voice will be the only one you hear. Don't fall for that. Instead of pulling away, push in. Refuse to be alone. Now, being alone with Jesus, that's great, but don't forget that God is always pushing us into a human community. Staying surrounded by people who love you is so important for God's love to be made fully known in your life. Refuse to isolate yourself. The next one is this: talk it out with a wise counselor. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, "Where there is no guidance, a people, people, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety." Now, I was able to go to a counselor in the midst of my depressions, and I was able to share what I was going through. And I, I can tell you right now, it makes a world of difference to be able to pour out your your heart without fear of rejection or persecution. My counselor was able to walk with me through difficult times when I was afraid to share my hurts and my depression, my despair with others. Talk it out with a wise counselor. The next one is this. Be open to receiving help. Be open to receiving help. Psalm 107 is a very long verse, a uh, very long psalm, but it is all about God's help. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. God offers his help. Will we receive? Choose to rest is my next point. Matthew eleven twenty nine and Exodus 28 here it actually talks about the most detailed and longest commandment from God, and it is about Sabbath and rest. This is the one that I currently struggle with, resting. In fact, uh, first service, uh, uh, one of the guys came up to me and said, you know what's so funny is you talk about rest, and here you are fidgeting up on stage. Y- yes, yes I do. Choose to Rest. Also, with choosing to rest is this. Give it away. Just give it away. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares, and another translation says, all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Cast all your cares and your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I found that when I did that repeatedly, over and over, it made a difference. This is his not mine. It is His. I can't live under it. I choose to hand it over. I choose to be obedient and hand it over. I choose you to carry me through. Give it away. And finally, choose to trust in God's unfailing love. Psalm 13 is a psalm of David stuck in a cave. He's pretty sure he's a goner. And he writes these words. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. This is it. Life is hard. Simple as that. Life is hard. We are prisoners of our own thoughts and we feel like sometimes we are losing the battle. But the rest of Psalm 13 says this, and this is David going from, will you forget me forever? He finishes that psalm and says this, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. God is good. And in the midst of trials and, and, and struggles and depression, he is always there in the middle of my despair he was always there and he continues to be there life is hard it will not get easy no one said that when you believe in Jesus the easy life comes life will always be hard yet God's unfailing love and mercy is always present and if you feel as though you're in the grip of depression this morning Please know that you are not alone. You are loved. God loves you more than you know. You don't have to do this on your own. Reach out. Reach out. I want to read to you guys really quickly from Psalm 25. Psalm of David. It says this Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged bring me out of my distresses look on my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins consider my enemies for they are many and they hate me with cruel hatred keep my soul and deliver me let me not be ashamed for I put my trust in you let integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you reach out God is faithful Because when we reach out, when we give it away, when we become open to receiving help, when we choose to rest, when we choose to trust in God's unfailing love, it is at that point that we can start the healing process to get out of depression. And when we are able to get out of that, we can consider ourselves no longer slaves to depression, to fear, to anxiety, to despair. We are children of God. And because of that, we can share the joy and the hope that is given to us because we are no longer slaves. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you for being a good, good Father who loves us, who calls us by name. Thank you, Lord, that in in the midst of struggles, in the midst of our own depression and our own loneliness and our own despair, that you are present. And I pray, Father, that you would just look upon us this morning and you would just allow us the opportunities to see where we can serve one another, where we can help one another, where we can walk alongside and encourage one another to to bring honor and glory to you. To lift one another up out of this pit of despair. I lift my eyes up to the heavens. Where does my help comes from, come from? My help comes from the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. So we look to you this morning. We ask for your help. For your guidance. Create in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within us. Do not cast us away from your presence. Restore unto us the joy of your salvation. Be with us now. Make your presence known in our lives. We thank you so much. So, so much. Jesus, we thank you for your gift on the cross, for your sacrifice. We thank you that you walked this earth and experienced what we did so that you can say with all honesty that you know what we're going through. Thank you for taking our, our sins and, and, and every single piece of baggage that we carry with us, and thank you for taking that to the cross and to the grave so that we could stand before you holy and blameless and pure. We thank you for that. With us now today, we ask... In your awesome, holy, mighty name, Jesus. Amen.